So welcome everybody to today's Independent Teach podcast with me, your host, Susan Pallister, and my special guest, Sarah Garrington. Hello, Sarah. Hi. Hi. It's good to be here. So welcome to today's show. Now, you have this most fantastic role that I'd never heard of, Head of Resilience at a law firm. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about that role, but also the concept of resilience more generally, because our podcast is obviously aimed at teachers and people involved in education. So maybe one for your mum. I think your mum was yeah. a teacher, wasn't she? So yeah. Your mum might, want... might understand this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> so take it away. Over to you. Tell us about this head of resilience role at a UK law firm. Thank you. So yeah, I'm um, I'm the head of resilience. So I lead the team that look after everything to do with resilience across the organisation. So that's um, you know a business response when something goes wrong. So something like a pandemic hits, and we have to leap into action and and kind of make sure that everything continues from the business's perspective. So that's kind of crisis management. And um, there's an element of it which is around kind of business continuity planning. So actually putting in place proactive plans to make sure that a business can kind of continue. I also look after environmental sustainability. So looking at, you know, our carbon footprinting, how we can reduce that, what kind of opportunities we've got around sustainability. So how can we make sure that the organisation is as resilient as it can be? Looking at, you know, our clients, our business, our colleagues, you know, what does resilience mean to them and how can we make sure that we improve upon it? And obviously, I want to come on to talk to you about resilience of your colleagues. Yeah. Because in education, there's a real focus on trying to make sure that our students are resilient so that they can go out into the, the, the world of work and flourish. And obviously yeah. flourish when they go to university as well. So what qualifications do you actually need to become like you, a, a head of resilience? I mean, did you go to university and study for a degree in resilience? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> so I am I am currently studying for a degree in resilience. Um, however, I began my kind of career after school um, as an actor. So I went to drama school. I went and did um, that for a few years, having left drama school. And I think that does actually play a part in resilience because, um, you know, it sounds very harsh, but there was a lot of kind of, you know, you walk into an audition room and people go, no, you know, too blonde, too tall, too whatever, you know, and you kind of ask to leave straight away before you've even really opened your mouth. Um, So yeah, there's definitely, that was a learning curve in regards to kind of your own resilience. Mm. Um, Yeah, it was very strange sometimes walking into audition rooms and seeing, you know, a group of 10 other women that all look very similar to you. It's a bit unnerving. Mm. Um, But I think that definitely taught me a lot about kind of personal resilience. You know, you can get kind of industry specific qualifications to, to kind of have this role. There's lots of kind of professional bodies out there. But yeah, you can, you, there are degrees, you can go and get that, but it's absolutely not necessary to kind of come into this role. Um, as as you can see from me, um, yeah, it's, it's very much an open industry that's open to a lot of people. So is it more about the skills you have that yes. will make you a really good head of resilience? And if so, what skills do you think that you've got that make you the right person for that kind of role? Yeah, so I think the the main skills are all around kind of relationship building. Um, You know, it's about people kind of feeling open that they can come and talk to you and say something doesn't feel quite right. I, you know, I'm not sure what to do about it, but I think something's not not right. It's also about kind of having really good communication skills. Unfortunately, a lot of kind of what we're trying to implement, you know, is very much on the back 
the back kind of burner for people. A lot of people think, you know, supporting their clients and all this sort of stuff comes first and absolutely it does. But that's not sustainable unless you've kind of taken care of your own resilience first. I also think that having a really calm head is obviously very helpful. So, um, you know, things like when the, the pandemic did hit, you know, leading an organisation, being open there for people that are often quite senior to just call you up, you know, not really sure what they should do, who they should talk to, where they should go for information. And just being there to kind of calmly lead them through the situation, I think, is really, really important as well. So, yeah, keeping calm head when everyone else is kind of not able to do that is very, very important in the role. I was talking to somebody this morning and we we were discussing about teaching Mm. and young people going into teaching and suffering from burnout okay, and leaving the profession because they are absolutely exhausted, particularly given the pandemic. Yeah. And, And we don't have heads of resilience right we don't have somebody in your role yeah um to help and support them what would your advice be to schools and you know people who were teaching at the moment you know they came to you and they said you know what I'm going to leave because I can't cope with this job I I do think that's a, a real kind of problem not only across education but across kind of a number of sectors And, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I always give to people is to make sure that they understand where their outlet is. So what I mean by that is, you know, how do you deal with your own stress and how do you know what mechanisms can you employ to give yourself some downtime? You know, I think sometimes it's really important, even if it's just two seconds for a change of scenery, for instance. So I think, you know, everyone gets stressed. I get stressed. And one of the things that I do is I'll just go and boil the kettle, just make a cup of coffee, make a cup of tea, and then just come back to my desk. And just having that two minute kind of change of scenery, bit of a kind of break, allows me to kind of reset. And I think that's what's really important. So it's kind of understanding what the things that you can do to kind of help yourself reset a little bit. I also try and encourage people to actually think, you know, will thinking about this make it better? you know or is there something I can do to make it better so actually you know if you're going to sit there and overthink a lot of things and kind of experience that burnout because you're not sure where to go next try and find something productive to do with that time instead of kind of overthinking things Um, so again that's really key for me it's actually finding that outlet and finding that actual proactive thing that you can do to kind of make sure that you're getting your downtime but also you're kind of dealing with one of the things that you're worrying about one of the things that you're feeling is overwhelming it's also really important to actually accept that you're feeling that way I think a lot of people try to battle through Mm. and actually you know taking that moment to say I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed so I am going to in my case boil the kettle or you know take a bath go for a run you know do one of the read a book do whatever kind of works for you even if it's just five minutes of your day I think is very important because actually if you are trying to battle through a lot of a lot of these kind of feelings sometimes it's it's not going to kind of improve the situation it's just kind of going to you know compound it and make it a bit worse I think so yeah having that outlet using your time proactively and accepting you feel that way so you can actually do something about it I think is really really important. And in a law firm would you find that the people who were talking to you about their own personal resilience would actually be the lawyers or is it anybody in the company that would come and talk to you about these feelings? 
So actually, it's a, I get a lot of people, you know, at all kind of levels across the organisation. And, um, you know, particularly through the pandemic in the very early days, I was having a lot of phone calls from people kind of saying, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed, but I'm not really sure where I'm meant to go for information. And um, one of the things that we did was our um, learning and development function made this amazing kind of hub that's available to all, all of our kind of colleagues that talks about, you know, physical well-being, financial well-being and all these kind of component parts. And it's really helpful to actually have tools that people can go and kind of use. But I think sometimes it's it's kind of very much having that open relationship with people so that they can kind of come and speak to you and they kind of disregard the level that they are across the organisation. And if they don't want to speak to you, that's fine. But kind of encouraging them to go and speak to somebody, you know, who might understand kind of their concerns, might understand where they're coming from, whether that's, you know, a, a lawyer or a fee or, you know, somebody else across the organisation. But just having that ability and having that sounding board is, yeah. is really crucial. Okay, so coming back to you and when you were in school, I yes. know it's a lot. We we talked just before we came on air about how long ago it was when you were actually a, a school student. We we won't say any more. You know, we won't make <laughs> our, our listeners um, feel that, that you know that that, that you're terribly old um, and almost on the verge of retirement. <laughs> which is not I true. wish. <laughs> in terms of when you were at school, do you think that? you were supported in terms of developing resilience and thinking now about education mm. do you think schools could develop more re- resilience in their students yes um you know I think one of the things looking back now at where, where I am and you know where I was a number of years ago when I left school one of the things that I think I really lacked was understanding that kind of perfectionism isn't always essential and working hard is really important you know doing the best that you can is really important but equally if you know you've done the best that you can and it didn't work out perfectly that's okay too I think it's really important if you get say I don't know 80% on the paper celebrate the 80% you got right and then maybe look at the 20% and where you can improve next time but it's having that you know objective view and being able to kind of take a deep breath except maybe you didn't get a perfect score but actually, you know, learning from that experience and learning from that experience without emotion. And I think that was one of the things that I struggled with, actually, you know, to a degree throughout school. And I think, you know, having a really demanding school environment is is important for people's development. But I think it has to come with that balance of, you know, understanding that as long as you've done your best, that's all that's needed for now. And, you know, we can continue to kind of develop people, develop, you know, people's kind of grades where they're maybe not as confident in one subject over another but understanding like I say that perfectionism element I'll put my hands up I was terrible at maths really bad and still am to this day but actually you know I always knew that I'd done my best and that's that's okay you know you're not always going to be well some people are I'm not you know perfect at English maths sciences all the humanity you know it's if somebody's brain operates in that way, that's amazing. But it's certainly not, I think, the way that the majority of people operate. So celebrating what you're good at and accepting the bits that maybe you're not and working on those, I think, is really key. And I think that's something that schools can continue to develop in students. Yeah. OK, so we talked there a little bit about perfectionism. Do you think there's a correlation between gender and resilience? Yes. I do massively. I think it's something that actually in the resilience industry is actually being um, looked at, you know, quite a lot. There's a couple of kind of groups that are on the go, you know, like 
women in resilience is one of the the kind of groups that's um you know been set up and they do fab things I think a lack of diversity a bit more about that so because our listeners might and our schools might want to know a little bit more about that yeah, absolutely. So um, the Women in Resilience group, it's um, run by some resilience professionals. It's a, a kind of global um, programme. They do webinars, they do face-to-face events, they do um, podcasts themselves. So there's, there's loads that they do. And, um, you know, there's studies out there that talk about women maybe being more caregivers than, than kind of um, men. And I think that while we're still trying to work on this kind of gender equality piece, that there's a lot of kind of opportunities for actually, you know, women to step up and not only improve their own resilience but also kind of to work with maybe some of the men in the rooms kind of develop more allies across across the kind of resilience space one of the things that I think is really really important from a resilience perspective that that maybe women aren't so comfortable with maybe is actually you know silly things like speaking up in meetings and you know if you're interrupted making sure that you're actually coming back and saying no you interrupted me this is the point I was going to make and I think all of those little things do add up to a greater sense of personal resilience so you know if you're forever talked over if you're forever kind of told that your opinion is not irrelevant but maybe not you know the best then it does have an impact on people and actually I think it's really important for women for us all to kind of try and take that collective view to build our own resilience as a gender as well as kind of um you know supporting one another and being allies for one another as well good points there so what I want to do now is to give you a, a, a number of scenarios. I'm going to put you to the test now. <laughs> <laughs> they may be out of your comfort zone That's because I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and bring it into sort of um, an education perspective. So pretending that you weren't working for a law company, that you're actually yeah. in a school, we'd employed you as a head of resilience yeah. for colleagues, right? So that they could come and talk to you. Yeah. Okay. okay. So are you, are you up for this? I'm ready. An early career teacher, that's somebody who's just started teaching and they, yeah. they they knock on your door and they come to see you and they say, I can't cope. I'm marking all the time. I'm preparing lessons all the time. I have no work-life balance. I think I've got to leave. I've yeah. got to find a, a, a different job. What yeah. would you say to them? So again, I think it's that carving out time for you. Um, you know, it's completely unsustainable for everyone to work 24-7. And I know that the temptation is often there, except that your to-do list will always have something on it. And actually, like I say, carve out time for you. So whether it is that, you know, once a week you read a book for an hour or, you know, you do go to the gym or do something like this. You know, it doesn't have to be active if you don't want it to. It can be watching Netflix for an hour. But actually making sure that you do carve out that time for you, because it is very much unsustainable for an individual to keep up that balance between, you know, working, and working and working with no downtime whatsoever. So I think it's very much, yeah, like I said earlier, go and boil the kettle if that works for you, but carve out you time. And I think you'll actually find you're more productive in the time that you are working because you've given your mind that mental break. Can I follow that up? Of course you can. Okay. Um, (laughs) What if... Um, I were to say to some people, no, I'm not, you know, they keep asking me because I'm a, a newly qualified teacher or an early career teacher and they keep asking me to do things and I keep saying yes. Is it ever right to say no? Yes, absolutely. All the time. I think no is one of the most powerful words that people have saying that you don't have capacity for something at the moment is absolutely appropriate. I think there's almost 
an art to saying the word no. And I think, you know, sometimes people be a bit cheeky. So if you always preface no with, I'd love to, but would you love to? Just say no, just say you don't have time for it. Because I think you'll find that actually people learn your boundaries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you do always kind of begin a sentence with, oh, I'd love to do that. You'll find that then people try and find a way, I think, to remove the reason you've said no. So they'll remove the but for you. So, you know, if you said, I'd love to do that, but I, I don't know, you know, have to take the kids to swimming lessons today. You know, they'll go, oh, well, you know, could your other half do that? Could this happen instead? And they'll try to, you know, find a, a method to overcome that for you. Just sometimes saying, I'm sorry, no is absolutely fine and just embrace it and accept it and I think that that's a very powerful tool and will help you reset that you know that work-life balance as well that's I did used to say that sometimes when I was doing training sessions for yeah for for newly qualified teachers that sometimes it's all right to say no yeah it's all right to say no I'm going to go on to the next one now okay someone keeps being turned down for promotion what what would you say I suppose it's dealing with failure isn't it what would you say to them yeah I think it goes back to that point I was making earlier about kind of resilience in that you know maybe ask for feedback and commit come at the feedback in a non-emotive way so you know why didn't you get the promotion if it's something you can work on perfect you know you've got that feedback you can go away and work on that if it's something that maybe you can't work on that's not within your gift to influence then again is it the right promotion for you do you need to maybe look at other opportunities that the that kind of might be across the organization and I think sometimes you know if the feedback is just always somebody else was more qualified or somebody else is maybe the favorite is it the right organization for you generally and I think you know like I said being able to come at it without that emotional view you know it's a really upsetting thing I know it is not not getting you know the progression that people want but actually yeah take a deep breath kind of ask for that feedback and when you're ready look at it and see if there is something that you can learn but don't be afraid you know going back to the art of saying no don't be afraid to also say maybe this organization isn't for me and you know I've I've learned everything that I can here, but to, you know, have the next step in my own career progression or just general, you know, personal progression, maybe I need to, you know, explore an opportunity somewhere else. And I think that there's a view, isn't there, that it's almost like a failure to actually say that decision didn't work out for me, you know, and I don't think there is. I think there's always things that we can learn from things, but actually let's look at what another opportunity can kind of bring us and actually, you know, accepting you know, yeah, that decision didn't work out for me, but that's okay. Let's move on and look at something else that that we can do. So I think it's, yeah, there's a number of things, but having that, having that moment of emotion is fine. Deal with it and then look at it kind of with that non-emotive view. Do you come across imposter syndrome quite a bit in your job? (laughs) Yes, all the time. I think it, it doesn't help that I, you know, having said that I left school a long time ago, I, you know, I'm not maybe as older some of the people that are my stakeholders and I do kind of deal with people that are potentially a lot older than me and have you know dealt with a lot more um you know in their lives than I have potentially and I think that sometimes um yeah having that moment of actually no I do know what I'm talking about I you know I do have a seat at the table is something that I try to remind myself quite a lot Um, so yes imposter syndrome is natural and normal but I think again being able to kind of remind yourself of the reason that you're kind of in that position and giving that advice is absolutely critical. And we were talking before we came on air about this idea about when you're feeling really down and emotional. Yeah. How long you should feel down 
and emotional. Can you just talk about that? Yeah, of course. So I think it depends on the person, you know, and some people need a couple of days, some people need a couple of hours, some people need a couple of weeks. But I think that actually, you know, take the time that you need and allow yourself to have that time, but then actually just kind of, you know, take that deep breath and kind of say, no, that's, I've dealt with that now, let's move on. I think it's really important for people to kind of, like I say, have that outlet, have that kind of emotional reaction and then build on it. You know, I think from a personal development and personal resilience perspective, if you always kind of brush away your emotions, that's not a positive kind of experience for anyone, but actually being able to kind of accept it and say, no, you know, I, I do feel down about this. It didn't go the way I wanted to. That's fine. Have that have that moment and then kind of, you know, allow yourself to move on and work out what you're going to do about it and, and have that proactive kind of response. And I think is really important. Yeah. And what about that five minutes? So the five minute kind of story is for me. And, um, you know, if you're not going to be upset about it for five seconds in five years, don't allow yourself to be upset about it for five minutes now. So it's having that, um, you know, moment of kind of perspective, I think, on, you know, how big is the problem that's just happened to you and how much do you need to kind of, um, you know, worry about it now? And also kind of how productive is worrying about it actually going to be? So I think, it, you know, sometimes it's really important to chew over things and, you know, really think about things. But other times it's actually not productive at all to do that. And it's, again, having that perspective and that balance and being able to kind of take that deep breath and, you know, again, move on with kind of what's happened and learn from the experience is really is really key and something that I think a lot of people struggle with sometimes. And that's okay as well. I will also say that none of this is, you know, um, it's a journey. It's not a destination that none of this is something that one day you wake up and go, oh, I'm resilient now. (laughs) You know, it's something that everyone needs to work on all the time. Okay. I've got one last scenario for you. Okay. Get my bit of paper here. Um, I'm going to be daring and brave here. (laughs) What, what do you do if somebody knocks on your door and says, I can't stand my boss? Yeah, that's a difficult one. I think it's working out why. Some things, again, can be something that you can work on. It could be that you feel that you and your boss don't communicate well with each other. It could be that, you know, you and your boss actually have very different views and ethics and things. I know there's been a lot of people, or I've been reading a lot, actually, you know, over the course of the pandemic, particularly when it was kind of, you know, in the initial lockdown phases where people were saying things like, oh, yeah, so and so is breaking all the lockdown rules and that kind of goes against my morals and my ethics. And sometimes things like that are completely insurmountable. And actually, you know, you again need to make that decision as an individual to say, how material is this to me? You know, do I need to, again, move organisation? Is it something that actually the manager needs to hear for themselves? And actually, you know, they need to work out that, that's not appropriate in a workplace environment. So they need to kind of have that feedback. But also I think it's, you know, actually see, is there something that you can do to work upon? So, you know, if it is a communication barrier, for instance, then I think it's really easy to just have a kind of, well, it's not easy, but have a conversation to actually say, how can we improve upon this? You know, I really like it when you do this, write me a list, but I don't like it when you send me 18 emails at you know, five o'clock on a Friday, expecting them to be done by nine o'clock on Monday. And actually just being able to have an open conversation. And I think that transparency is something that 
a lot of kind of organizations and people actually will find benefits to them. So having that kind of open, transparent relationship and conversation is is critical but like I said if it's something that actually you as a person go you know that's that's something that we can't get past either consider you know if you do want to kind of raise something within the organization say actually you know my manager does these things and they're not okay or again just kind of look at you know are there other opportunities in the organization other kind of managers you could have or again other roles kind of out there for you I think one of the things that I always try to kind of remind people of and I say this more in a a personal sense than you know a a kind of work sense obviously but you know sometimes actually you're not you're not married to a job you're not married to a role to an organization so actually having that moment where you can kind of go you know actually this isn't serving me it's meant to be a two-way relationship this isn't serving me this isn't giving me what I need accept it and do find something else that you know will make you happier at the end of the day so yeah lots to consider there I think for somebody that doesn't like their manager the reason why I bring that up is that as I do this podcast I meet more and more people who say that they struggle with their line managers yeah you know and they don't feel sometimes that they can speak to them yeah Um, and schools don't always have the infrastructures in in place to help yeah. them support them I think so. it's really important though just even just being able to talk about it to somebody that actually understands yeah. so um you know it's great having somebody maybe at home that you can talk to about it you know or a friend or you know a family member but actually sometimes having a colleague that you can talk to I think helps and somebody that actually understands who that person is and mm-hmm. and sometimes will validate you and say yeah no you know they're they're awful but other times might be able to actually say actually I think you were maybe overreacting and this is the reason why Um, so yeah find somebody you can talk to about it I think it is really kind of important in my podcast I always have a a question at the end just to finish just to round things off and what what I've got for you is if you had to write a dear me letter to your 16 year old self what advice would you give to younger Sarah? So I think for me, um, I will quite happily put my hands up and admit that I was maybe a bit of a terror at school. So I think for me, it's very much about, um, I didn't understand that tenacity and stubbornness are two different things. And I I would have loved to have kind of had that when I was younger. So actually, you know, the, there's a place for a different personality. There's a place for me to be stubborn and actually put my foot down on things. But actually, sometimes, you know, understanding that, you know, going for the right thing and being tenacious and knowing that it's the right thing to do is different to putting my foot down just because I'm maybe slightly opinionated and thought that I knew what was best when I was 16. (laughs) No, I absolutely didn't. (laughs) So I think that would be in it. And I think um, also going back to, to what we were saying about perfectionism appreciating that you can't excel at everything and a key part of of leadership and personal resilience is actually understanding that there are other people that are better at things than you are and it's absolutely not a weakness to ask those people for help so you know when you are at school understand your strengths play on them you know really really drive home what you're strong at but actually know that when you kind of are in that corporate world if that's the world that you choose to go into or in a kind of you know in your career that actually you can go and ask other people for help on things and that's okay and some people are better at other things than you and that's great use that and don't kind of see them as as competition ever thought of a career in teaching after that advice to yourself um no (laughs) shall we end it there then 
Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Can I just say, Sarah, thank you for joining us today. It's been absolutely fascinating. You know, resilience is so important. And I think you've yeah. shown our listeners that. Brilliant. Thank, thank you. you ever so much. Thank you. You have been listening to the Independent Teacher Podcast. If you like listening to this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.